What's going on, Grow Solvers? Welcome back to another episode of the Good Grow Great podcast. This is Great Lengths, where I take you into a journey of uh, us looking into someone's brain, someone's life, and someone's uh, just journey and how they have changed other people's lives and how they've created this massive impact in the lives of people around them. Now, today, I want to share with you the story of Jenny. Now, Jenny Yi grew up with her father, who was in the military for 34 plus years. And after working in law, she created Live and Flip to help military families deal with the financial hardships that come with the lifestyle because it's not easy. And as the market grew, as her design evolved, the business grew to include designing for investors as well. Now, she was featured on Bigger Pockets, and today she's sharing with us how you can change your ending of your own story and path, especially if you don't like where it's going, and how to do that. And she's also sharing what to do if you feel like you have to start over. Right? What does that look like if you feel like you're in a place in your life and work where you go, this is really not working out? And thirdly, she also shares about how to find opportunities where no one else can. Now, I got to say that when top performers come to the show and they share some of their biggest, biggest secrets, this is really finding opportunities where no one else can is really something that is not only interesting, but can really give you this, uh, can really win back your time, win back that freedom of being able to do what it is that you deserve doing in your life. So before we dive in though, Growth Solvers, hit that follow and subscribe button. Let's get started. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Okay, I wanted to actually start this episode and our conversation actually with how you grew up because you grew up in a military family and that's been a big part of your world and still is a big part of the world uh, for you, part of your world. And so I wanted to actually ask you because whenever people from the military come on the podcast, I, I always like to have them share some memories and experiences, good and bad about that really stood out for them from their childhood or from their experience from that community. So is there anything that you felt stood out when you were growing up and in your memory as kind of the quintessential experience from uh, being in a military family? Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, so my dad just retired with 34 years and some change. So Um, We spent a long, very long time in the military. I can genuinely call myself an army brat. That's just kind of one of those terms. Um, And and there's a lot of plus things and great things that happen in the military. You know, moving around, experiencing different cultures, um, becoming very adaptive and having to make friends or, or learn new people and new things. For instance, like I went to four different high schools. So those kind of things kind of progress you into, I think, a better human being. Um, but there, with that, there are also downfalls. And part of the downfalls that come with the military is kind of, while you get to experience great things by moving, you also have negative. And the negative kind of is really a big financial aspect. So, and that's something that I remember 
because um, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up in both the enlisted and the officer side because my dad did both. He transitioned to each side. So even on both ends of the spectrum, my mom struggled with work because mil- military spouses in general struggle with work no matter how qualified they are. So um, the latest studies show that military spouses are actually 30% higher unemployment rate than the average population and we already know what the average population is people track that they just don't conceptualize military spouses and it's not from a lack of qualifications it's not from a lack of the ability or training or even experience a lot of spouses have experience coming into the military it's just the ability to actually gain new jobs and consistently have a steady job flow and then competing with the local market and competing with the military spouse market makes it really really hard so that was kind of the pivotal moment in my memory and an experience that kind of led to this transition to helping military families with real estate and design. Yeah, so I actually want to dive into that topic for a second, because I have been made aware that military people from the military and military spouses, or even vets have employment challenges. And I'm, can you talk a little bit more because you had touched on some of the things and some of the reasons why right competition with the regular Uh market, job market, everything. Uh But is there do you feel like it's because there's an external uh, what are some external obstacles, I guess, that are Yeah, absolutely. So, for example, thing? my background was, is well, prior to doing this, was law. So I actually went to law school, had my master's, I had my master's as well in public health, and I did a lot of um, health policy and VA law work prior to coming into this. But um, I, finding, you know, having to retake the bar state bars for example for someone in my field was a pain in the butt so i know a couple of military spouses who are lawyers and what they do is they do contract work which is great it means it's a steady flow they can do it remotely but it's far undervalued than what they could be had they set up their own practice or had been working at a private firm consistently for years and kind of built that solid base Or I have another gal that I know who has her master's in nutrition and she's selling lead pipes because it's stability. You know, she can't find anything because she's competing against people who have also worked in the same area. For example, here in North Carolina, she's competing with the research triangle, people who went to Duke, people who went to Chapel Hill, people who've had those jobs, know those people. And she's coming in and while she might have the educational background, they're not going to give her the same favor that they gave locals or people who had been there. Um, and, and another, I can give another wife, she's educated, she has her bachelor's in engineering, and she worked in a smoothie shop, because that's what was available to her. So a lot of the external factors are, are kind of what the struggle with finding a job normally that civilians have, intensify that because now you're competing with the fact that you don't know people you don't have the connections, or there are employers, and they're not legally allowed to say this, but there are employers who will not hire a military spouse knowing that they're going to move or transition out. So they don't want to go through all the trouble of, for example, putting them in a supervisory role, knowing that they're going to have to devote all this to them, and then they're going to transition out, and there's no place for them to transition to, for example, another location. Wow. Okay. There's a lot of information here and obviously we can't unpack all of it, but I'd like Mm -hmm. to touch just a little bit more again here and pause for the audience to really understand sort of the, the obstacles that are happening here. Not only is it that you're competing with just a 
regular job market, you're also having to deal with the stability issue, right? Like you're saying, not just from the employee's perspective, but also from Mm -hmm. the employer's perspective. Absolutely. Because they can sense that military or military spouse are moving Mm -hmm. one place to another, right? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that now with work from home is a little bit more prevalent, right? With kind of the virtual world being something Mm -hmm. that's a little bit more acceptable? Do you feel that now the tides are changing or do you feel? Yeah. Well, and that's one of the great things that COVID has been a hardship on a lot of people, but it has been a, a very good thing for a very specific population. And military spouses have been looking for remote work <laughs> for years. I mean, it's, it's very popular. It's common. It's a, it's a subject matter that we always talk about. And it's always talked about among the military personnel. And there are those jobs that have always been around that have been remote. But now you see this entire influx. And thank God there are large corporations that are actually realizing that there's a subset of a population that they can target. So for example, Amazon has devoted 130,000 jobs specifically to military spouses that are all remote based. Because they realize that once you have a military spouse that has found a job that they can actually work with this lifestyle, you will have an employee for life. Like they are not leaving that job. So that in that aspect has been a good thing. And then the other aspect is this push to, and this is where my transition came in with the real estate and the design piece was this push to teach military families and veterans too, people who can leverage the VA loan, but mostly military families that while there is this windfall because of employment issues, you have access to things that can actually get you and build wealth and build profit that you it's not your normal way of thinking so there's a way around just outside thinking of the box and that's that was kind of how the transition came to so you have this combination of remote from home but you also have this combination of access to the va loan access to new strategies and now mortgage rates that have been phenomenal because of covid have created very specific opportunities in which military families can actually truly benefit from Right. And I love this concept because I always talk about this, not just to my students at Good Girl Great, but also on the podcast, whenever I have guests on, we always talk about this and you're definitely echoing as well, is that just ways to create big changes and a big difference in your work and your life with small changes, right? Small steps. And you're talking exactly that when you're talking about, you know, the VA loan or maybe some, some opportunities in the housing market, real estate, whatever it is, which is, uh, you know, obviously within your expertise and, I think this is beautiful because not, I think a lot of people, when they look at obstacles that they're facing, veterans or not, right, military or not, they always look at them just as obstacles rather than, oh, this can be, you know, this can actually be an opportunity, which is something beautiful that you've done here, Jenny. So I want to kind of uh, shift and for a minute here to your work with the military family in design and real estate. So can you talk about reasons why, you know, military family would like to work with someone like you? Like what were some of the reasons that they would typically share with you? Is it because they are tired with like all the other things out there? Like what are some things that they say? Honestly, uh, usually I grab people's attention or when they find out about what I do, it's, it's because it's numbers. It's a numbers game. And most of them it's either because they're experiencing financial hardship or because they just want to 
build wealth and they don't know how to because there's this perception that because the military family is not stable, that they don't have the ability to build the type of wealth that someone who is their civilian counterparts who are stable when that's actually not true. The biggest hassle and headache, which is PCS, which is the government's version of requiring the military to move every few years. Um, you know, it, studies have shown that military members actually have to put $5,000 out of their own pocket every time they PCS. So it can be, again, a financial issue. Um, and so for, most for the audience, I just want to yeah. pause for a minute here. For the audience who don't know what PCS is, can you just briefly describe what PCS is? Yes. So that means that that's the government's requirement that the military move. So that means you're moving from state A to state B. So you're going from like Fort Bragg in North Carolina to say Fort Lewis in Washington state. And the government decides for you. Okay, this is great because I think you touched on a real pain point here when you mentioned that a lot of the families want to build wealth, but they feel like they don't have the stability to build wealth versus looking at other people who's like, oh, they're not moving around, they know where they're going to be, so they can build wealth. And I think this is, interestingly enough, when I speak to so many people on the podcast and in my line of work, there's, mm-hmm. There seems to be this same, uh, I want to say mindset, I guess, in, in mm-hmm. multiple other domains and yeah. industries where they're like, oh, it's a chicken and egg thing. Well, I want to get this, but not until I mm-hmm. am stable or until I have X number of dollars or until I, am cr- I have this authority or whatever, right? And I love that you're, Absolutely. you're actually mm-hmm. encouraging the families to well, actually, if you mm-hmm. start now, right, you can, mm-hmm. wealth will start to compound. And that's actually a beautiful, and that's actually how those mm-hmm. stable people started as well, which is absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. So the reason why I want to underline that is because I think it's important for listeners to kind of take clues from you, Jenny, from what you've been saying, in that you can definitely still build wealth. And mm-hmm. um, it, even if you are in the military, military spouse, former, or whatever it is. So I wanted to briefly touch on, uh, you mentioned that you have been featured on Bigger Pockets, and just to kind of sub in with, sub in for the audience who's listening and are curious, right, and Bigger Pockets, obviously, we don't know yet, they're a really massive uh, platform talking about passive income specifically in the uh, specifically in the kind of residential and housing domain mm-hmm. and so how did that opportunity ca- came about because i'm sure the audience was curious about that as well yeah it was just one of those honestly kind of fluke things it was about connection and connection with people um part of why i do what i do is it to me it's about people it really is every I believe every military family has a story and it's a conglomerate of all the experiences that they've had, all the places that they've they've traveled are the hardships that they've endured. You know, all the birthday parties and Christmases that they've missed, all the stress that the the mother or the wife has had to deal with with deployment combined with all the, the cultures and places. And you put all that into one and people, it's about people. People have stories and part of, you know, helping creating good endings and changing people's stories and moving to, you know, 
good things in the future is about concentrating and focusing on connection and relationship. And I was fortunate enough to happen to know someone here who was doing the actual filming. And he was like, Hey, you know, I, I got 12 episodes that I got to film for, for bigger pockets. And I have, I want to showcase some people and I'd like to showcase you. Are you interested? And I was heck yeah, I'm interested. (laughs) So I wasn't going to turn it down. And it was, um, connection and I think it goes back to connection and goes back to people and it goes back to why we do what we do some people yes the the end goal is to build wealth 100% my end goal is to teach military families that whenever you PCS we can make you five figures and you can put that away you don't need to worry about you know unemployment you don't need to worry about whether or not you can build your 401k you don't need to worry about your real estate issues but part of that is creating homes and creating stories and really elevating people to these good endings. And that has created a good people network, which leads to things like this and things like bigger pockets. So I love what I love most about what you just mentioned is actually the relationship aspect of it. Right. And yes, of course, everyone has different skill sets. And in your case, it is your specialty to help people who are in the military families and um, it to create big, uh, more wealth. Right. And yet I think we tend to forget. And I think I see this more and more now, especially now that everyone's going virtual and everyone's working from home and there's like this, sexy cool kind of vibe for about people who are like you know just kind of doing things whatever Uh they want I'm all for that I think Mm -hmm. but I I think a lot of people kind of forget exactly what you're talking about in that yeah the relationships still matter at the heart of it Mm -hmm. it's still about people and I love that you're Mm -hmm. highlighting that and I think a lot of people come to me and they're like, Talia, how do I, you know, uh, get a hold of that mentor? How do I, you know, mm-hmm. reach out to so-and-so? And and I'm like, well, I mean, if you look at it from that point of view, that's not exactly because like you were saying, you had developed a relationship with this person mm-hmm. and oh, somewhere along the lines, sooner or later, doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. opportunity comes about. And I think that's mm-hmm. one thing that the audience who's listening, who are business owners, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. uh, and people who are really high performers and high achievers, I think that's always important to remember. We always forget that. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to actually also touch on, you know, you talked about creating good endings, right? I love this because this is something that more and more every day, I'm more and more passionate about this because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, like I said earlier in in the interview, when you talked about the obstacles, right? And the struggle with stability. And, you know, people are like, no, I can't build wealth now. I think there is the idea that things standing in your way is going to stop you. But what I love when you were mentioning creating good endings, it means that we are proactively out there. You don't even have to be the loudest person, right? Or like the one who's always out there, but just kind of actively doing things or make maybe making choices not to do certain things so that you're creating good endings. So can you share maybe a, a story about one family that you worked with or maybe a, uh, a spouse who lost her husband perhaps in active duty or whatever it is where you, where they created wealth and there's that happy mm-hmm. and good 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I actually talk about, so the current project I'm on now, um, and it ended up being kind of this last minute project that I couldn't pass up. So the family, he's a veteran, um, it's him and his wife. And in 2019, it was one of the hardest years that they had ever had because they had a very hard time conceiving just in general. Um, and they finally were able to get pregnant. The baby was born premature, severely premature. So, and at the same time, he was actually diagnosed with cancer. So they had this, this, this big struggle where they were trying to deal with their premature child, the health issues with the child and her, and then he comes along and he's dealing with cancer. So they had this, this whole struggle and they survived it. But what they are now doing is they, they purchased this property um, and they're turning it into an Airbnb. And the whole purpose of their Airbnb is not only obviously to bring in their own wealth because it's an Airbnb, but to kind of create this retreat because it's by the river where people can rest and be renewed because that's what they did and that's what they needed so um i'm currently helping them you know with the the design and the product sourcing and renovating the entire airbnb and i can't i'm so excited because they've kind of given me free reign where i get to i'm going to do an entire reveal for them and i'm excited because it's helping the vision and taking their heart and what they want to do and turning it in and can actually conceptualizing it for them and embracing their story while helping create their story with them so that other people can have a place when they're enduring their times too. So this has just been a wonderful progress and it's, you know, called cottage on the Cape and it's just this beautiful story. And it's one of those things that I just, I'm so excited to wake up and help them every single day because I know that this is a good ending and a good story going forward. I absolutely adore this story because I love your emphasis on basically helping others while they're creating their own story, right? And I think a lot of people tend to forget, especially people who are just starting out there like, well, why should they listen to me? Why should I? I don't have, you know, I don't have the ability yeah. to, to do X, Y, Z, but if, if you think about it, right, if you have an mm-hmm. issue or a problem in your, in your uh, client's case, they were wanting to live by the river and it just kind of helped mm-hmm. them help bring them together and wanting to try to emulate that experience and share it and give it to other people in the form mm-hmm. of their Airbnb. I think that's wonderful. And I think all business owners or entrepreneurs who are starting out, whatever, they all have, we all have to kind of think of things from this perspective in that if you're wanting mm-hmm. something and you're experiencing something, chances are there's at least one other person, probably more, one other person yeah. out there who's experiencing the exact mm-hmm. same thing. And because yeah. you're one step ahead, you can share it too. You can be kind of there yeah. to support them, which is exactly what you're doing mm-hmm. and exactly what now your, your beautiful, the family that you're working with is also doing to mm-hmm. other people, right? Which is mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous. And, and I think people forget in general, you know, when you're going through something, it's hard. You forget because you're, you're so focused on the moment. You're focused on enduring. You're focused on fixing. You're focused on the chaos that surrounds you. And I had a really close friend you know, tell me something at, at one of my hardest moments a while back. And there is, it's not beauty in the chaos. It was beauty of the chaos. And sometimes it's so hard to see that. And there is always an ending point, you know, there you're living your story, whether you feel like it or not. So at some point there's an ending and at some point your story can become good. And this is what we translate into other people's stories because everybody has a story. 
Yeah, and I think this is, uh, I love your what your friend was saying is that it's not beauty in the chaos, it's beauty of the chaos. And I absolutely agree. I think almost to the point where I don't know if some of the things that we enjoy are really things that will be that enjoyable if there's no hardship, it's not preceded by obstacles, difficulties, everything, right? And it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever had, had this feeling, Jenny, but I always kind of... Uh, you know, sometimes vacation, right? It, vacation is only a vacation because you've earned it, right? You feel like it's been months and you want to go out, whatever, hang out, have fun. Great. But then at the same time, if I, and I've seen this a lot actually with people who move to Hawaii or they move to, you know, all these places that are paradise and beautiful because they went there for vacation one day and they ended up loving them there and then they ended up hating it. It's, I think it's, there's that interesting dynamic where, uh, you know, again, chaos and beauty, opportunity and obstacle, difficulty and, uh, you know, good endings, right? It's almost like, I don't want to say that I don't want to say that they cannot exist without one another, but more importantly is how can we allow those two things to coexist, it, you know, to, to create the life that we deserve. I think it's like that paradox that we have to accept, which you have beautifully uh, described through your, your client stories there. So I want to touch just one second here on uh, your work with the design, right? And, uh, and just kind of more on the practical aspect of what you do. Because what I love about talking with all these people from, from the design world, we also have had people from the food industry, aviation industry, and un unequivocally, there's always kind of these similar things, like some trends and threads, common threads that exist across all industries. And I think when designers are sharing their work and they are doing their magic, right? You're designing the home, you're recreating the Airbnb. Some of those principles and practices can be applied to other people's businesses as well. So I wanted to ask you actually, when you are, when you're given this free reign to basically recreate the Airbnb however way you want, what are some things that you've noticed is are mo most important for the families that you've worked with? Is it, you know, maybe not so much technically, but is it more that they have like a family room? Is it more privacy? Like, is it that they get to relax? Like what are some, some top things that you keep hearing and seeing over and over again in your line of work? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you asked this question. So um, I had this discussion with a, a fellow flipper the other day um, and there are what I consider, and it's kind of a pet peeve, um, bad flips. And I don't mean that as in like they were poorly done. I mean that from like the design perspective. And the reason being is they just, all they granted wasn't an improvement on the house that they purchased. Yes, of course, it was an improvement. You add new tile and it's always going to be an improvement. Is it going to sell? Yes, it will sell. But what you lose the heart of, and it goes back to story, and I think every aspect of design in no matter what field you're in, and that's one of the reasons that you know, large companies pour so much money into their marketing and their advertising because there's something about design that it catches your attention by the way it makes you feel. So when it comes to homes, there's this expectation of what a home should make you feel. A home, yes, and that's where the difference between what I consider a quote-unquote good flip and what I consider a bad flip is, you know, 
we walk into these homes and homes themselves have the ability to tell a story. They just need help. You know, they don't need to be reconfigured into what you perceive all other homes should be because then you're just cookie cutter, story cutter. And then it's this onus on the family that, oh, it's pretty, but it's not home. It's not safe. It's not their story because homes have a story. People have a story. You put them together and it makes this beautiful story together. And that's the same with all aspects of design. You watch a commercial and you remember that product by the way the commercial made you feel. Or you can see a car and think that it's beautiful or it's ugly based on the way it makes you feel. Does it make you want to be adventurous? Does it make you want to put your kids in it? Does it make you, there's an aspect of design and what our eyes see is what our heart feels. And I think that kind of is incorporated in everything. And as long as you can touch base on that and really go to the heart of the human nature, then you're pretty successful at design. Okay, I love this emphasis. And let's underline this just one more time, because what you're sharing is absolutely so crucial to anyone's success. And I think this is true as well, even if you don't have a business and you have a career and you're wanting to move forward and you're kind of on the provider end of things. And, and what you're saying is basically how should what you do and the things that you're providing and sharing and giving, how should those things make other people feel? And I think this is so important. We talk about this so many times Mm -hmm. in our podcast as well on delivering experience based on Mm -hmm. what they're looking for, what they're needing, what the other person. And Mm -hmm. I also want to highlight what you're talking, when you're talking about how they feel, right? Because it's not really how we feel. And a lot of us, you know, everybody who's like type A here, and there's a lot of listeners who are definitely type A. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys know who you are. And, um, <laughs> and, the, and we're always kind of like, oh, it's going to be great if we do X. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of seen this a lot in some design shows that I follow as well. When you see yeah. the designer, we're like, oh, this is what, this is what I want. And of course, mm-hmm. of course, there's mm-hmm. a professional aspect of of authority where you do have to share your perspective at the same time though uh you know i've definitely seen designs where i'm kind of like well it looks great but something's not right i've walked into a lot of places where whatever it is hotels restaurants Mm -hmm. homes and everything is pretty right everything is like and so you would think that it makes you feel good when you walk in but then when you walk in Mm -hmm. you're kind of like something's not right, you know, like, it's just not, it's just, it Mm -hmm. doesn't come together. I think it's also, it's, it's true in books as well. You see all these great words written, right? Mm -hmm. But then something about the whole book doesn't come together. And Mm -hmm. I think your emphasis on putting the emphasis on them is just absolutely beautiful. So I wanted to actually, believe it or not, we are coming to the end of our conversation. So if you have, do you have any other things that you may want to share perhaps with the audience on ways that they can finish this year strong and perhaps some, some things as far as mindset that can help them move toward that wealth creation that you're talking about? Absolutely. I think the biggest thing and it's something that 2020 has kind of taught us as people and it's kind of put the world in this revolving notion that we should embrace is that 
everybody in some way, shape, or form has found themselves at this point in time <laughs> in a very completely different way than they ever thought they would at the beginning of 2020. You know, whether it's semi-good, semi-bad, atrocious, things went horrible, things are distressful. There's, there was something about 2020 that all put us in the same position where we are pretty much all not necessarily what we thought we would be. And as a human race and as human people, there's this embracing that no matter what you're doing, where you are, why you're there, it ends. At some point it ends. And knowing that that will end, like embracing that, whether it was 2020 or whether it was everything prior to 2020 that led into it and 2020 just added on top of it and just, you know, made it even worse even if you don't feel like your story is good now, that doesn't mean it's the end of your story. So there is always an ending to whatever you're dealing with right now. And there is always good on the other side. And if people can embrace that, even when it doesn't feel like that, just know it at some point there's an ending. Then you start to think of, okay, I don't know it and I don't feel it now, but if I embrace there's an ending, what steps can I take now? Believing that there's an ending. Right. And this is a great way to to conclude because what I perfectly love is that the idea of embracing it, not fighting it, embracing it, which then probably allows for all of us to, you know, it's kind of like writing your own book and story and business success, right? Career success, wealth creation, whatever it is that you wanted to to do, there is still the ability to write yet one more page or yet one more word or one more sentence, analogically speaking, right? Um, Which means that when it comes to living the life that you deserve, you still have one extra hour, one extra day, one extra minute that you have. And just that idea of embracing it. Beautiful. Jenny, so let's conclude by sharing where people can learn about you some more after the episode, and then we can wrap up the interview. Absolutely. So my Facebook page uh, for Live and Flip, it's www.facebook.com slash live in flip. So L-I-V-E-I-N-F-L-I-P, all one word, uh, you can my my email, my contact information, the, the renovations, design, all of that is there. You can I have a flipping one on one course. You people can reach out if they need mentorship, ideas, thoughts, or just to touch base. I want to hear from people because it's a people game. Uh, they can they can find us there. Amazing, Jenny. Thank you so much for the for the interview, and I hope you have tremendous success in years to come. Thank you so much for having me. Growth Solvers, hit that follow and subscribe button. Let's get started.